My name is Ann Rutherford, and I was fortunate enough to be in a 20th Century Fox film called Orchestra Wives. I'm Fayard Nicholas. I'm one of the Nicholas brothers. We do a special number in this film with Glenn Miller and his orchestra. It's called I Got a Gal in Kalamazoo. And here we are. <laughs> Just the best music, Matt Gordon, Harry Warren. It just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And of course, the big band era will go down in history. Aye, you're so right. Ah, uh, yeah. there's our man. There's our director. <laughs> ah. Those were the days, I mean, of, of swing bands. Huh? I miss it today. <laughs> well, the young people of today miss so much by not having the big band music to listen to because more kids started out in a school orchestra and discovered they had a gift for playing a horn <laughs> and they grew up to be <laughs> Glenn Miller. <laughs> or Artie uh, Shaw. Oh, Benny Goodman. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, let's oh, yes. Watch the light. But I, I liked Glenn so much. You know, he was a great musician, and the band was terrific. I loved it. <laughs> well, they had such a wonderful way of blending their notes together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, each section, the saxophone section and the brass, were all terrific. They blended so well together. pretty blonde girl in the middle is Marion Hutton. She was the sister of Betty Hutton. Hutton, right. And both girls were singers. Uh -huh. And Marion Hutton was, her whole career was with the, the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Yes. Look, she looks so much like Betty Hutton, doesn't she? Uh, there was an <laughs> amazing resemblance. Right. Uh-huh. And there's a, Ray Everly, huh? Ray, the Everly brothers. Of the Everly. But all the other singers were called the modern airs. That You're right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ah, oh, look at that. <laughs> George Montgomery playing the trumpet. <laughs> 
George Montgomery was just the handsomest man on the face of the earth. Uh -huh. He came from a family of, I think it was 16 children. Wow. It was Russian background. He lived, their home was in Montana. Uh -huh. And George grew up to be a true Renaissance man. He uh -huh. was an artist. If you anyone has ever gone out to the uh, Ronald Reagan library, they call it, I, uh -huh. I consider it a museum. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every bronze statue yeah. in there was yeah. made by George Montgomery. Yeah. Didn't he make furniture too? He made chairs and, and sofas and... Oh. I have never seen anything more beautiful than his furniture. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> now, there's Tex Benigy, who's yes, a saxophone player, and, and he was the singer. A singing saxophone player. everything you do. Wow, look at him go. Now, I'm wondering what they have Jackie Gleason playing. I forget oh, what instrument he, he was. He played the bass. The bass. Yeah, he played well, the that, bass. That, that fit. Yeah. All he had to do was slap it. Yeah, just slap it. <laughs> he could fake it. <laughs> oh, there he is right there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, this was before Jackie Gleason was Jackie Gleason. It was Jackie Gleason, yes. And curiously, his buddy, while he was shooting the picture, uh, was Bullets Durgum, cute little guy. And <laughs> Bullets proved to be so bright, he wound up being his manager. Ah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, he turned uh -huh. into a very good agent, good a good agent, manager. Good morning, Janie. That's Lynn, Lynn, Barry, Lynn Barry. Beautiful Lynn Barry. Beauty, right. Uh-huh. She always reminded me of Claudette Colbert. There was something about her face. Uh-huh. Pretty girl. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hello, Janie. With a light brown Look at her. Let me get a look at you guys. Because I'm a gal that knows all the answers. This is the first time I ever saw a canary who looked like she swallowed. Oh, Cesar Romero. You bet. Yeah. Nice looking guy, huh? And the best dancer. Oh, he could dance. Butch, we used to call him. <laughs> he never missed a party. <laughs> he just loved to dance. There is Jackie before. Before he became Jackie Gleason. Before he was Jackie Gleason. <laughs> you ought to quit trying to live like a normal person. Natalie won't want to go. Ah, you fellas are crazy. You were crazy to get married. Now, companionship is all right, but there's no point in carrying it to an extreme. Hey, wait a minute, Bill. We heard that. You can't knock marriage to us. We're happy even when we're on tour. That one number that you do where oh, you yeah. run up the, the wall, wall, do a flip in the air, and then land in, in a split. split. <laughs> oh. And then immediately you're on your feet again. You're right. I, just the <laughs> muscles in your legs must have been like steel wires. Oh, let me tell you something about that. No, Nick Castle was our dance director. And we were in the middle of 
of singing this song, I Got a Gal in Kalamazoo. Yes. And all of a sudden, Nick Castle said, stop everything, I got an idea. I said, what is it, Nick? He said, I got an idea where you walk up the wall, do a backflip into a split, and dance on the way. I said, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? He said, that's what I got. That's a good idea. I said, let me see you do it. He said, I can't do it, but I know you can. <laughs> I said, and so with, uh, like with a whole lot of rehearsing, and uh, my brother did this walk up the wall, and they had ropes around his waist, and one guy on one side and one guy on the other side to hold him, to protect him, as they built this wall for him to walk up. It had a slight slap to it. Yeah, right. Enough so he could get uh -huh. traction with his feet. Oh, yeah, right. He'd just go right up. And so we grow to it during the rehearsal. Brother would go up the wall, and the guys are holding him. And uh, later on, uh, Nick called the guys over to him and says, listen, when he goes up the wall this time, don't hold the ropes. <gasps> Let's see if he can do it. <laughs> and say, oh, Carol, okay, baby. Let's see you walk up the wall. So my brother went up the wall, and the guys were just holding the ropes loose. And he went on, and he did it perfect. And so Nick went over to my brother and says, look, see that? You can do it without you. He said, what do you mean? He said, the guys were not holding the ropes. <laughs> he said, oh, my brother said, oh, no. <laughs> Almost had a heart attack. <laughs> there you are. Are you playing that Gene Morrison record again? Sure. You're gonna wear it out. Look, Connie, I have to go. I'll see you tomorrow. Hmm? Bye now. Right, bye. Wait for us, Hazel. Boy, that man's a solid sender. There isn't. A lot of time on a set. Mm. At least there wasn't a 20th century fox. <laughs> you're getting your makeup touched up, your hair touched up, you're running the lines with the people that you're doing them with. You would have been if you'd gone any farther. What are you doing tonight? Harry Morgan. Oh, there he is, Harry Morgan. A nickel to hear this record. I can hear you free anytime. Okay. A nickel to hear a record. <laughs> a nickel at that time? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> well, everything was cheaper then. Gene Morrison playing in Dixon? Just for tonight. It's too bad I'm such an unpleasant guy. Ah, it would have been a lot of fun. Maybe I'll go with you, Cully. What do you mean, maybe? I'll go with you. So I'm a pleasant character again. I'll pick you up early, right after dinner. If yeah. kids knew that Glenn Miller was coming to town, or whoever, whoever, Tommy yeah. Dorsey, whatever, uh, yeah, we all went. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, listen. Everybody was happy. Look. <laughs> I had to raise his arm. <laughs> Everybody was doing the jitterbug. 
I yeah. knew, even I knew how to jitterbug. Yeah. And then they teamed me up with the soda fountain jerk, Harry Morgan, who <laughs> was such a nice kid. He just was not a dancer at all. He yeah. had no idea how he to he lead. Was <laughs> so you had to lead him, huh? I virtually had to lead yeah. him yeah. <laughs> with the wrong arm, doing the wrong things. Wrong thing, yeah. Ah. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Oh, boy. Look, there you are, and yes, didn't get in close. <laughs> get in place, so you can see George Montgomery. See George Montgomery, the, the man that you admired so much. Uh huh. Uh huh. And look, you're just melting. <laughs> oh. Oh, he, he hypnotized you, didn't All he? All you had to do was see him in person. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even have to play that horn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love this song, At Last. That song was first in the Sun Valley Serenade, but they cut it out, and then they put it in this movie, orchestra-wise. Mm -hmm. Composed by Harry Warren and Matt Garden. We were in that movie, Sun Valley Serenade. We introduced Chattanooga Choo Choo in that movie with Dorothy Dandridge. Zanuck, I remember him so well. He used to come over to the rehearsal hall where we, where we were rehearsing these different numbers and bring some friends. And, uh, he said hello to us. So we say to him, look, we just started this, and it's not ready yet. He said, I just came over to see you. I wanted to just say hello to you and introduce you to my friends. And he said, OK, fine. He said, go ahead, do what you want to do. <laughs> so, so we started rehearsing again. And he stayed a little while. Then he said, it's going to be all right. He says, I know, because every movie that you made for us has been great. So. Don't worry about it. So, okay, he left and then we started rehearsing again. <laughs> and each number turned out well. And he was satisfied. <laughs> At last, the skies above are blue. You could leave a theater and hum these tunes. What do the young people today hum on their way home? Their music is also loud and unmelodic. It's just the electric guitar and lots of drums. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's nothing that they can say it's our song. <laughs> and this rapping, I, I don't get that at all. No, no, I don't. I don't. I, I don't understand them when they're rapping. They they speak too fast. Too fast. And, and I can't stand. There's one of them, I don't want to mention his name, <laughs> but he does, he's not nice about his mother. <laughs> <laughs> and he's named after a candy. <laughs> they talk, by uh, just rapping like they hate everybody. <laughs> yes, yes, it's sad. It's real sad. Music should be for happy times. Right. <laughs> for you are mine at last.
co-writers had wonderful times making these movies. The first one we made it at 20th Century Fox was called Down Argentine Way. And we had such a wonderful time making that, that movie. I can remember when we were in our dressing room and uh, Nick Castle came to our dressing room and, and he knocked on the door and we opened the door and he says, I'm so happy to meet you guys. He says, because you the guys can do my ideas. I said, okay, Nick, let's get together. <laughs> so we got together and did this song called Argentina. My brother sang it in Spanish and we did a little thing where we go like that. <laughs> and uh, went there on the set and the, the director was Urban Cummings. And he said, okay, fellas, let me see what you're gonna do. So we went through the routine and uh, Urban Cummings called Nick Castle and said, Nick, come here. He said, this number is too long. Nick says, don't cut it. If you cut it, you'll ruin it. <laughs> he says, no, no, let's leave it like it is, Nick says. And Urban Cummings says, that's all right. I can pan over the bed of gravel. He says, no, don't pan over the bed of gravel. Just leave it like it is. And so Nick said to him, he said, I'll make, make a deal with you. Say, we'll take the number just like it is and we'll go to a sneak preview and let's see what will happen. And so Urban comes and says, okay, that's right. He said, I'll always cut. He says, no, no, don't cut. So they went to the sneak preview and it was a week later, Nick called me and I said, Fayard, listen, let me tell you something. At this sneak preview, after you and your brother finished your number, the people in the audience were clapping their hands, stomping their feet and whistling that the operator in the projection room had to rewind it over and show your part again. He says, Fayard, it's your film. There he goes again, out of the frying pan, into the frying pan. Who would have dreamed that Jackie Gleason would have become as big as, as he, he did? Uh -huh. Both in size and in fame. In fame. <laughs> I mean, no, but I've heard you a million times. Well, if I'd known you were listening, I would have played sweeter. Oh, that wouldn't have been possible. Huh, this is the first time that you meet. Shouldn't we talk this over? You fall in love right away. <laughs> I fell in love with him on the dance floor, <laughs> listening to his music. Yeah. In those days, we listened to the music. Yeah. How can I say now? Maybe by that time, they'll discover something new. Oh, no, 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 please, Mr. Abbott. Why, would you like something? You know this isn't right. Now, listen, cutie pie. I'm a big, bad trumpet player. And never I never dreamed I would wind up at 20th Century Fox. <laughs> It was wartime, <laughs> and we would go and visit the Great Lakes Naval Station and places like that in between pictures. Oh, I really liked kissing him. He was good. <laughs> he was a good kisser, huh? A good kisser. <laughs> oh, boy. But about two months before this picture, I was in... Chicago, the Great Lakes Naval Station, and entertaining the troops, and some of the officers' wives and children were permitted backstage. 
and uh, you know you'd sign something for them <laughs> and there was one little boy who kept climbing me like a tree and his mother said you should be real flattered Alvin <laughs> got out of a sick bed to see you I said he did what was it uh -huh. he had the measles oh really okay uh, I thought no more about it and uh -huh. I finished my engagement there and I came home to find that a new producer had signed on at MGM, Joe Pasternak from Universal. And he was making a picture called, I think it was Seven Sweethearts with Jane Powell. Uh -huh. And they sent me the script and I was tickled. I did everything. I was at yes. MGM for years. Yes. And I read the script and I did something I hadn't done since I started in the business. I actually counted my lines, and there were 17 lines. Most of them were, mm-hmm, <laughs> yes, uh, naturally with all these seven girls. And I never complained about anything, but I thought, oh, who does Pasternak think he is? I was in the middle of doing a series with Red Skelton with my name above the title. I had done... <laughs> <laughs> All these Andy Hardy pictures yeah. where I was his leading lady. I was Polly Benedict. With Mickey Rooney, huh? With Mickey Rooney. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so when I went to the studio to, to have my fittings, I said, I think I better talk to somebody. So <laughs> I spoke to Mr. Mayor, and I said, Mr. Mayor, it's... It, am I going to have to do this again after this? I said, it just isn't fair. I finally get my name above the title, and I'm so proud of being at MGM, but it, it's just not fair. And he said, well, it'll be fine. It'll be just fine. Don't you worry about it. Well, I didn't until three or four days later when the movie was starting. I awakened the morning, the first day of shooting, I had measles like you didn't believe. Oh, no. I was swollen out of my gourd. Oh, my goodness. And finally, my mother remembered. She said, it was that Alvin at the Great Lakes Naval Station <laughs> because she was with me in Chicago. <laughs> and she had to call the studio and say, Anne has the measles. Uh -huh. They didn't believe it. They, she said, well, send a doctor out to see. Yeah. Now it happened... About three days after that, Daryl Zanuck called. They replaced me, meanwhile, in Seven Sweethearts. I don't know what by whom. And Daryl Zanuck called to borrow me for Orchestra Wives. I think... It was Linda Darnell. Linda Darnell was supposed was to Was supposed have, to do it, yes. And I don't uh, know what happened there, but she got a loan out someplace else. <laughs> Studios made a lot of money lending their Linda players yeah. out because you stayed on at the same salary, but they could lend you for three times the salary. Yeah. And so while Daryl Zanuck was negotiating my price from Mr. Mayor, he, Mr. Mayor said, I have an idea. Let's work out a deal where you take over her contract, because she's unhappy here now, but we can borrow her back anytime we want to <laughs> for Red Skelton and the Hardy pictures or anything else. Is it? <laughs> and that, I was sold down the river. <laughs> I was sold down the river. I was in slavery, and I was sent to 20th Century Fox, Fox. <laughs> and where I remained for two years. I 
right. disliked it intensely because it wasn't MGM. It wasn't. <laughs> it just was not MGM. Uh -huh. And I mean, the difference was amazing. Oh, even <laughs> though I, I took my same stand in with me. Uh huh. But it was just a total, the total difference. No. There was a quality about Metro Goldwyn Mayer that was so special that I could hardly wait for a scene to end that I wasn't in the next scene, that I could go and open the studio door outside the stage, sound stage door yeah. and peek out, because I never knew. I might see Greta Garbo's parading down the street with everybody holding her train. Uh, I could see Wallace Beery scratching himself in an improper place. I mean, it was just the most exciting studio in the world. And so you. You just were. just to go to lunch in the commissary yeah, right, yeah. where all the kids would have one table and it it, it was family it was just lovely uh -huh. and anything you <laughs> wanted to do if you had an ambition if you thought you could learn to do anything they would provide you with a teacher uh-huh it, it didn't matter. It could be riding a horse or anything you wanted to do. They, they did it. They looked after their people so perfectly. And then suddenly you go to a place where you don't know anybody and they don't know you and they don't give a rip. <laughs> it was not a happy time. Yes. I got so ticked off. <laughs> I got married. <laughs> You were a workaholic, weren't you? Oh, yes. I, <laughs> I worked 48 hours a day and hurried right back. <laughs> because in those days, almost every movie, uh, let's see, up until 1947, I believe it was, we had to work six days a week. We just slept faster. <laughs> and Sunday was, I don't know, remember when I got my hair washed. I guess I did it in my sleep in the middle of the night. But all studios did. Then we all went, everybody went on strike. Uh-huh. Uh, the theater, thank God for yeah. the Screen Actors Guild. Deal, yes. We went on strike, uh -huh. and all heck broke loose. They held us up as long as they could, but when we went back, we worked Monday through Friday, and there had to be so many hours yes. between calls. Yes. They used to be able to work you till midnight and then tell you to be in makeup at 6.30 tomorrow morning. You know, they did not consider the fact that you might have to drive home. <laughs> it, it was difficult. Oh, look at him go. Oh, and the drums, yeah. Ah. Ah. Mo Patel, ah. the drummer. He was good. They're all so young. They are, aren't they? Such a young orchestra. Yes. You remember Ray Anthony? Ray Anthony. He oh. was he was in the band. Look how young Butch was. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you must be losing your touch. 
After all, you were with her for about 10 minutes last night. Well, that was a pretty rare specimen. But I'm gonna feel awful if I've lost it. <laughs> okay, boys, let's go again. 83. I love working that box. I can remember when we did the, the film, Orchestra Wives, and uh, we were singing this song. I got a gal in Kalamazoo. And uh, one of the producers of the film wanted to cut our singing out of the film. Huh? And, uh, yeah, he did. And he went to Zanuck and said, I want to cut out the singing of the Nicholas Brothers in this uh, film. And Zylem Zan says, wait a minute. You're not gonna you're not gonna cut anything of the Nicholas Brothers. Leave it in just like it is. He was crazy about us. <laughs> and, and we loved him too because he liked everything that we did. And he, he, he would always come to watch us as we rehearsed. And he didn't care if we weren't doing it well, because he knew the fast that later on, it was going to be just right. And we had so much fun doing all those films. Because Dallas Zanny was in our corner. <laughs> yes, indeed. Look at the hat. <laughs> Women wore hats then. It was very difficult traveling. You had to work out your hat so that it one nested inside the other. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's more like it. But you were pretty in it, anything that you wore, and Oh, you are a sweet gentleman. <laughs> but then you always were. I want to stay, but I just can't. This is where I take the bus. Oh, yes. You don't think I'm going to let you go, do you? <laughs> oh, he was a good kisser. It was... <laughs> And so were you, weren't you? <laughs> oh, I liked it. You liked it? <laughs> oh, there we go. All the films that we did with Tony Sensor Fox were on the lot. All of them. Please take the morning bus. Goodbye, Bill. Wait a minute, gorgeous. You're not going. Kiss me goodbye. Go ahead, kiss it, will you? I'm ten minutes late. Please stay. I can't. I just can't. Well, just stay another hour, then, and I'll run a car. We don't only have to say goodbye all over again. Look, I don't want to say goodbye to you, and I'm not going to. Look, mister, either kiss her, rent a car, or call the whole thing off. <laughs> goodbye, Bill. Please stay. We'll get married. I was very young, and it never dawned on me, once we got into the story of it, what a difficult life orchestra wives have. You might as well be married to a chef who works till midnight. And on New Year's Eve, you're always alone. It's yeah. pitiful. <laughs> I may be mistaken, but did you hear anyone asking you to marry him? You want to take it back? If you're inferring I don't know my own mind, I don't. The basic story is as true today, I'm sure, as it was yesterday. An almost famous Kate Hudson got her a nomination for her role. She played a girl who haunted, you know, the rock stars. Yeah. But uh, they're doing it today, I guess, since the beginning yeah. of time. Yeah. It's an attraction. It's like a magnet. Mm -hmm. Just as Connie Ward mm -hmm. 
loses her head completely and goes off and marries him and gets caught up in the triangle. It, it takes some living to <laughs> be smart enough not to be a patsy. Well, I'd like it very much. But I must say, Professor, this is the first time I ever saw the bird bring the hunter home. <laughs> Don't mind him, gorgeous. This is St. John Smith. We all call him Sinjin. Hello. Hello, gorgeous. Or do you have another name? Sure, sure. She... Hey, what is your name? Connie. Yeah. Connie Ward. <laughs> Connie Ward. Well, this is Bill Abbott. I take it you two have huh. met. You fell in love before you knew each other's names. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That is right. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's Bullets. Bullets Durgham. That little guy? Bullets Durgham, that little Good, guy. Uh -huh. He was sort of <laughs> Jack Gleason's gopher. Uh -huh. <laughs> and he grew up to be his agent and smart as a whip. Uh huh. Hey, where's St. and Bill? I don't know, boss. Mary Beth Hughes. Yeah, Mary Beth Hughes, there she is. Seen St. John and Bill? I haven't seen them all morning. They weren't in their rooms last night. I thought you were with Sinjin last night. Well, honey, I would have been if you'd have been there, but... Well, where were you then? Not so early in the morning. Wait until you get him on the train to beat him up, will you? Oh, they got married. I don't know that. Got, oh, now you're married, yeah. Oh, there's one of them now. Sinjin, where you been? I was a bridesmaid. Ah, uh, that's not funny. Where's Bill? He was a bride. Oh, Daddy's wonderful. Yes, Dad, it's the trumpet player. I just couldn't leave him. And then at the last minute, he decided he couldn't leave me either, so we got married. My father, Grant Mitchell, a wonderful actor. Uh-huh. Oh, all the way to California. That'll be a nice trip for you. No, no, it was no. a nice part he played. He was an understanding father. Yeah, he was a wonderful. Yeah, I was his an adopted daughter, uh -huh. as I recall. Yes. Oh, Dad, the train's waiting. I can't say any more now, but I'll write you everything. His name? The hat. The <laughs> that Ed. <laughs> Rush off and get married with no luggage. <laughs> Carol Landis. Yes, Carol Landis, right. Oh. Now, she was the lovely actress she was. Who, who was in love with Rex Harrison. Hey, that's right. She was in love with Rex Harrison. Yeah. Yep. Uh -huh. And he decided that he wasn't going to leave his wife and marry her. Uh -huh. Then, then she, became, she became pregnant, wasn't she? I don't know if she was pregnant I, or I not, heard but that I do she know that she overdosed uh -huh. and took her life. Yes. This little actress, Virginia Gilmore, was married to Yul Brynner uh -huh. before he had quite happened. <laughs> and Virginia Gilmore was not her real name. She had a wonderful real name uh -huh. and some producer in his infinite wisdom said, I don't like that name. It doesn't sound like a girl's name. And he changed it to Virginia Gilmore. You know, <laughs> really a milksop name. Her real name was Sherman Brooke. Sherman Brooke. Isn't that a beautiful name? <laughs> ah. Comfortable? Yes, darling. 
Now this is Tamara Jeeva, a ballerina. They had her under contract, never found any dancing for her to do, and they wound up using her in Orchestra Wives. Uh-huh. A very world-famous ballerina. <laughs> well, how about that? <laughs> and there's our Jackie Gleason. Cecil Romero. Later, I worked with Jackie Gleason in a couple of his television shows, and he just horrified me. He never rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> we all had to rehearse without him. Yeah. Dean Martin was the same way. He never liked to rehearse. <laughs> Kept him right on our toes. Everybody rehearsed. First, you have to go to work and know every line. If you don't, you shouldn't be in the business. It's considered very unprofessional. Glenn Miller's music was so smooth, I forget, easy to listen to. I forget what his hometown was, but I believe they celebrate Glenn Miller every year. There was a liquid quality to his music mm -hmm. that was soft and memorable and just stole its way into yeah. your heart. You just, when you would hear three or four bars struck, yeah. You could just envision what the rest of it would be. Yeah. No, really. We just got married. How do you do, Miss Stevens? I've heard you sing. I, I just love your voice. Thank you. It's uh, nice to have you with us. Oh, isn't she lovely? Honey, how would you like a nice hot cup of coffee? That would be just grand. When I first saw it, this movie, orchestra-wise, the response was great, it was great. I mean, because of the, the music and everything. And then when they, we came out to do our thing, the audience just went wild <laughs> to see us running up the wall and all that. It was like we were really there, because right away they'd start applauding. I was so thrilled to see this. And uh, I went to the theater so nobody would know I was there. Yeah? And so, after it was over and the film finished, and I started walking out of the theater, and someone said, oh, that's one of the Nicholas Brothers. <laughs> and so I had to sign autographs and all. <laughs> so it was wonderful in those days. It was nice, but temporary. You know, that's one of the things I like about you. You look at things like a man. Oh, don't tell anybody. I'm considered very feminine. <laughs> I must say I miss the days of traveling by train. It was highly civilized. Oh, wow. It was like a vacation if yeah. you went from California to New York. New York. Got on with a stack of books, and yeah. your friends would go and see you yeah. off in Pasadena, yeah. give you a basket of fruit and a box of candy, and you'd put yourself to bed and stay in bed until you got to Chicago. <laughs> in Chicago, you would have the day off. You could go to the pump room in Chicago and have lunch and do a little shopping in the afternoon and then be at the station at 6 o'clock mm -hmm. and get on the uh, Super Chief. Super Chief. And, and uh -huh. in the morning at 9 o'clock, you were in New York City. <laughs> uh, those were the days. Oh, yes. The faintest idea of giving him up. 
Who's your florist? This is so exciting. I'm sure you're going to enjoy traveling with us. Enjoy it? Oh, it's going to be wonderful. After staying in one place all your life, this is awfully thrilling. Of course it is. The Nicholas Brothers did uh, vaudeville. We started in Philadelphia, and I can remember that my parents were also in show business. Mother played piano, my father played drums, and they had an orchestra in the orchestra pit in Philadelphia at the Standard Theater. And I used to go to that theater every day to hear them play and watch all the entertainers on stage. And I'm watching them and I said, they're having fun up there. I'd like to be doing something like that. So best by watching, I taught myself how to perform. And then I taught my brother. And we got our little act together. And at that time, they called us the Nicholas Kids. Naturally, when we got older, we became the Nicholas Brothers. <laughs> so my father saw we had this talent, so he took us to the Standard Theater there to meet the manager of the theater. And he said to them, he said, his name was Gibson. He said, Mr. Gibson, I think my sons have some talent. So we got up on the stage, we sang a little song, did a little dance, and this manager was watching us. We just did one number. He said, that's it. You don't need to do anymore. He said, you'll book here next week. <laughs> so we opened at the Standard Theater, and that was in uh, 1930. That's when we did our first appearance on Broadville. And then next, we went to New York, at the Lafayette Theater, and the manager of the Cotton Club saw us at the Lafayette Theater, because everybody was talking about these Nicholas Brothers. Who are they? And so he went, made a special trip to, to this Lafayette Theater to see us. And he met my parents, and then he said, I like your boys, and I'd like to have them at the Cotton Club for the new show starring Cab Calloway. So, okay, so they took us to the Cotton Club, and uh, we met everybody there. And uh, Hal Allen was there, and he was playing this new song, Stormy Weather, that he composed. And they introduced us to, it was Bill Robinson was there, Ethel Waters, Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, Lena Horn, all there. And so Herman Stark says, get up on the stage and do something for, for everybody. They heard so much about you, but they haven't seen you. So we got up on the stage, we started singing a song and did a little dance. And then right away, Duke Ellington said, gee, these boys are original. I said, thank you, Mr. Ellington. I said, you're original too. And everybody laughed. And so we opened up in the new show and uh, we closed the show. Nobody wanted to follow us because they called us the showstoppers. And we stayed at the Cotton Club there for two years before going any other place. And I remember Samuel Gowen saw us there at the Cotton Club, and he wanted us to come to Hollywood to do a new movie called Kid Millions with Eddie Cantor. It was all stars in it. Eddie Cantor, Ethel Merman, and Southern George Murphy in this film called Kid Millions. And so that was our first Hollywood film that we did. It was at United Artists, and uh, we had such a wonderful time. Oh, it was great, great. And, but we could always go back to New York at the Cotton Club, because that was like home. 
I still have a little hammer from the Cotton Club. Oh, you do? The Cotton Club's the only place I ever went to where you didn't applaud. You pounded on you the table. You pounded on the, the table. Hammer. Yeah, that's right. You have. You still have it? Uh, you bet I do. <laughs> it says the Cotton Club, and uh -huh. it has Cab Calloway's name on it. Yeah, right. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, that was. It was so great at the Cotton Club. We always co-starred with, with Cab Calloway. You know, it was wonderful. It's always the wife's best friend who gets him. Oh, Janie, darling, forgive me. You're a genius. Oh, I'm so glad you approve, Natalie. But do remember about the empty neck, won't you? Number seven, my birth porter? Yes, sir. That's a lucky number. Who say it so? <laughs> Gorgeous, you in here? Yeah. That's some honeymoon. Yeah, that but a great honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any of my own, so Janie loaned me this one. Janie? Hey, it's very nice of her. <laughs> I had traveled with Virginia Gilmore on selling war bonds. The others I had met at parties. I did not know Marion Hutton, but I knew her sister, I knew Betty. Mm -hmm. They came in clusters then like grapes, you know, the singers were <laughs> together. Y yes. <laughs> I enjoyed working with them. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a cat in the bunch. <laughs> they were nice people. I had been taking the bus to MGM. I did not have a driver's license. And I finally had sacked back enough money to buy a car. So I went to a Buick dealer that also had previously owned cars. And I said, I'll buy a car if you can teach me how to drive it by 11 o'clock. <laughs> so I paid $400 for a second-hand Buick. <laughs> and he taught me how to stick shift, the H, and the whole thing. And the only thing I hadn't taken into consideration was that we lived in an apartment house on Whitley, 1727 North Whitley in Hollywood. It had no garage. I would have to, I walked blocks. That was when I learned how to park properly. Yes. I did, the only thing this man taught me, which has been invaluable to this day, if you want a parallel park, you pull up next to the car in front where you want to be, and when you're about halfway there, then you start cutting in. And when you look in the rearview mirror and see that your left-hand fender is, <laughs> is pointing at the radiator cap of yeah, the right. car behind you, <laughs> then you start turning the other direction. And I can to this day, park like an angel. <laughs> Works for me. Oh, very good. <laughs> and I, I drove myself and my mother and my grandmother and my sister when she was in town. <laughs> I got real good. I could park. The only thing it took me, 
I took my grandmother with me in the car because I had to go out to MGM to do something, and I left her in the car, but I left the radio on. Of course, when I came out, the battery was dead. My grandmother was still alive. <laughs> I didn't know. Nobody had told me that a radio runs down the battery. I learned everything the hard way. Waitress. <laughs> How do you like that color? Oh, that's nice. I don't like it either. There was only one woman who went with the band. There was Lynn Barry, because she was the vocalist. Yes. Uh, right. But all the other wives had stayed back. <laughs> Is that Virginia? Yes, that's Virginia, yes, Virginia Gilmore. Yeah. Sherman Brooke. Bill and I have been separated. Oh. That honeymoon glow will wear off soon enough. You'll be just as sick of this life as the rest See, they're all sick of the life. <laughs> 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 I don't think wives travel with their husbands anymore. I think they say bye, see you at, at the end of the trip. I'll always send you the check, though. <laughs> of course it isn't. Heavens, I wouldn't have breathed a word of it if Natalie hadn't already told you. I like Natalie, but she's awfully vicious. And smart. Boy, she's got Phil on a leash. They have nothing else to do. But gossip. <laughs> they gossip with each other about yeah. every about each other. Uh-huh. But Carolyn and and Natalie, well, they seem so close. Well, you gotta get closer to be nice. Anybody home? Hello, darling. How about a bridge game? Oh, fine. My nails ought to be dry in a minute. Hello, Connie. Connie, make a fourth. Good. We only play for a fourth. Oh, they. Christopher's nice being a widow for a change. I swear if I'm not tripping over Phil, it's that silly saxophone of his. Aren't you afraid Phil might get out of line while he's away? Oh, oh boy. Every little filly he sees. After all, there are only three of these side trips on the tour. He looks forward to him like a kid does to Christmas. I think it's good for him. He's such a worm. Oh, I think men are cream and I don't remember what we were playing. <laughs> it couldn't have been bridge. I <laughs> 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 don't get mad, sweetie. You always do that to me. Phil always brings me roses. Oh, I wish I were married to a man who brought me diamonds. All my life, I've wanted a necklace with diamonds as big as tiger's teeth. All my life, I've wanted a mink coat. And what have I got? Skunk. Oh, you shouldn't talk about your husband like that. That is very unfunny. Well, no man can be trusted out of gunshot. <laughs> you're sure of yourself. You're married to a musician. You've got to sing with a band. Then you can watch him day and night. That doesn't do Janie any good because she hasn't any husband to watch. Yes, and there's nobody to watch Janie with the husbands. Uh-huh. Such a nice girl. My, my. Certainly is no cowardice the way you and your rival are such pals. I don't know what you mean, Natalie. <laughs> oh, dear, I, I thought you knew. Seven spades. Knew what? Well, naturally, I thought when Bill married you, he'd tell you about Janie. Uh-oh. Now it's gonna be trouble, huh? Now, don't oh. on me, sweetie. It's no tragedy. I suppose the only reason Bill didn't say anything is because it happened before you came along. It only lasted a year. I thought we were going to play bridge. I don't see why you don't keep your face shut, Natalie. Now, what have I said? Nothing that everybody else doesn't know. All that high hair that we're wearing. <laughs> the higher the hair, the closer to God. But you certainly come from a long line of... Well, I'll give you one guess. Oh. Now you upset you. Hello. What time does the next bus leave for Iowa City? 
Oh, not until 9.30. Well, get me a ticket on it, please. When I hear that serenade in I'm somewhere in another world Sharing all the joys we used to know. I forget whose voice Lynn was using. Yeah. Boy, she looked like those words are coming out of her mouth. Yeah. Huh? Like they're hers. But she was a singer. Oh, yeah. But she didn't do her own singing in this. I know she did do her own no. singing, but, but she does it so she, well because yeah. she is a singer. Yeah. I mean, she had the phrasing down. Yes, she it's, knew. It's difficult to do. Uh-huh. Because you feel like a damn fool because you have to sing right along with it. <laughs> uh -huh. was the picture. It is yeah. a character in the picture. Uh -huh. It was given full respect. Mm -hmm. That's what I liked about <laughs> the music with, with Glenn Miller. Oh, yeah. It was always played out. It, there was no cut played it to the very end. The whole end. number. The whole you number, got yeah. the whole ball of wax. Uh-huh. Should I go on whistling in the dark? Musicians then, really good musicians, just the way they all joined together. <laughs> they each knew what note they were supposed to hit mm -hmm. to make that wonderful blend. Mm -hmm. Oh, they were great musicians. I mean, uh, they could read. <laughs> hey, you don't know a place in town where we can get some nice chicken pot pie, do you? Chicken pot pie? Are you going soft on us? <laughs> okay, chop suey. See you outside. That's a half. <laughs> Hat and a half. Did you make that one? No, I did not. <laughs> Do you realize how long it's been since we've had supper together? I know exactly. I've been married five weeks. Is that all? <laughs> Seemed more like five years. Well, in another month, Janie, you'll forget all about me. Who was it that wrote that old adage about time healing everything? George Montgomery would come over to us and, and say how much he, he liked us and everything. And I think at that time, he was, he was uh, involved with Hedy Lamar. 
Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, he yes. was. Yes. Uh huh. We were wondering that she would come over and, and see They us. were gorgeous together. Yeah, make the movie. But she never did get over. Well, I didn't know if she ever came over. Uh, but uh, we were good friends. We were good friends then. Long distance. Oh. Put her on. Oh. Hello? Hello, Janie, darling. Good with This is the cats. <laughs> the cats. No, she's the cat. Is something supposed to happen? Oh, Christopher, don't be so slab off here. We know she's up there. Tell us what happened. Shut up. Oh, they loved doing this. They had the oh, best time. <laughs> We also checked on the schedule. We know she arrived there half an hour ago, so you're just as welcome clean. Well, what's Connie coming up here? Say, did you put her up to something? You, you, you mean she's really not there? Oh, no, no, Janie, on my word. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Janie, it's perfectly awful of you even to suggest that. No, no, the, the only thing that happened was this evening we were playing bridge and Elsie made a little slip. Oh, I didn't either, Janie. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh uh, uh, she just had a little about you and Three little kittens. Three little kittens. <laughs> she also took the 945 bus. Well, how perfectly sweet of you, Natalie. She makes a great heavy. How far after she's supposed to be here? Oh, don't apologize, darling. I know your heart's in the right place. Just the right place for a swift kick. The hairdos now that we wear, been... the <laughs> elaborate... Look at the curvature of her uh, well, you, pompadour. You, you didn't have to wear a hat, because the hair was... <laughs> it should be here any minute. Oh, thank you. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Give me room 212, please. Oh. Oh, her evil little mind yes. is just ticking ahead. Ticking ahead. <laughs> uh. Hello, Bill? Bill, this is Janie. Bill, do you have any money with you? Well, you can count on me for anything up to three million. Oh, cash. Well, I got about 40 or 45 dollars. Oh, no, I, I only need 30. Well, could you bring it over right away? Oh, thanks a million. I remember a funny thing, uh, there's a, a part there where we have a trampoline that we jump on the trampoline and up on the stage. And while we were doing that, Cecil Rell got an idea that he wanted to do it. Because <laughs> well, he, was, he was a dancer. Uh, and so he got up there and he started to jump, and, and the director said, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, because they thought he might break it if he'd jump on it. <laughs> Because he's much heavier than we are. And that was really funny to see that. So, Caesar, he, d he didn't do it. He listened to the director. And I was so happy they didn't do it either. <laughs> Serious. Oh, Bill, do you have a cigarette? There's some behind you on the table. 
I'm absolutely stunned by the lack of traffic on the streets. <laughs> it was a smaller world then. Yeah. And by the height of our hair and our hats. <laughs> but most of the clothes aren't too bad. The, uh, they're fairly timeless. It's just the, <laughs> the enormous <laughs> appendages. Uh. funny. I saw him go up myself not so long ago. I don't know what the designer was thinking when he put all the buttons on one side and all the holes on the other. <laughs> I would vanish if I buttoned that up. <laughs> if he had just left a nice white collar. <laughs> ah. The other day, I just plucked from the shelf in the kitchen cookbook that was printed in 1937. <laughs> there were folded newspaper recipes that I'd cut out through the years and stuffed in, and I hadn't pulled this one book out since the year one, because mm -hmm. I had since gotten the later editions of, <laughs> but this was handy, and I grabbed it. And out fluttered these yellowed newspaper clippings, and I didn't give a rip about what the recipe was. I was fascinated with the other side uh -huh. of the paper with the, the ads, 10 pounds of potatoes for 50 cents. <laughs> you know, calves liver, 29 cents. People then bought calves liver for their cat. <laughs> the, the prices, and this is all in my lifetime. I remember when you could hire help it was a dollar a day. Today, wow. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking oh, yeah. back 1936 and 1937. Uh -huh. You hired somebody. If your uniform fit them, that was fine. Well, car fare was only seven cents. You could take a streetcar to downtown Los Angeles from Wilshire and Fairfax. It went down to 7th Street. Wilshire and Fairfax, yeah, the, on the left is the 6th Street. There uh -huh. no street, was no streetcar there. But if you went down Fairfax one block to 7th Street, which went parallel to Wilshire, you could ride to downtown Los Angeles for 7 cents. And Ooh, boy. There, was a, <laughs> there was a hamburger stand on the corner of Wilshire Boulevard and Hobart that my girlfriend and I used to stop at on our way home from school. Mm -hmm. And... We'd go in and have a little hamburger. I, I say little advisedly. It was about, oh, no more than three inches across, if that, two and a half. Bun and all was five cents with all the mustard you could put on it. Prices were just unbelievable. And everything has advanced, so that was Carl's. That yes. was the begin, the first Carl's hamburger place. Gasoline in those days. Yeah, and now it was it 15 cents a gallon? Oh, 15, 16 cents, cents a, a gallon. gallon. Yeah. Bill, Jenny. Oh, I see. Cecil Moreau, I, I remember one time we was at the Beverly Hilton Hotel, and there uh, was a special show there, and they had Everybody would come up on stage and do a dance called the Shim Sham Shimmy. Don O'Connor was there, and all the dancers you can think of. 
and he was one of the dancers. And he, he couldn't get it. He, he says, listen, I'm not a tap dancer, I'm a ballroom dancer. <laughs> <laughs> He just was the nicest man, and he was so wonderful to his family, his mother, his sisters, but he certainly loved to go to parties, and he just danced up a storm. <laughs> oh, I like this scene. Oh, yeah, she was cute. Yeah. This is her scene in yeah. the picture. Yeah, what is her name? Lillian Porter. Lillian Porter, huh? Then give yourself a hot foot. See, give yourself a hot foot. <laughs> Oh, I just thought Montgomery's was yeah. the prettiest thing I'd ever seen. But <laughs> I, I knew him. I dated him a few times before I did this because different studios, you know, you meet each other, you know right. each other. Uh -huh. But uh, and then he married uh, Dinah Shore and has beautiful grandchildren. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, I'll be in room 312. You can check on me if you want to. Oh, well. Well. <laughs> well, trouble in paradise. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go again. Yep, the good friends. The friends. By the way, dear, where did you go last night? We looked everywhere for you. Did you? Did you go to the movies, Connie? No, I didn't. You're awfully mysterious. Must you girls know everything? Christopher. I think this is the scene where she tells them off. Uh-huh. Uh, uh Connie, darling, we know you dashed up to Iowa City last night. Who told you that? Oh, uh, uh, Elsie managed to worm it out of the room, Clerk. I did. You did it yourself. Now you're always pinning things on me. Last night you even told Jenny I was the one who let it slip about her and Bill. Shut up, you fool. The only acting experience I ever had, I played Raggedy Ann in the first grade at one of at a school in San Francisco. I liked that. Uh, I I liked that. Uh, they had me do. Humpty Dumpty earlier, I liked that too. I liked when I <laughs> fell backwards and, and got cracked. I, laughter was uh, uh -huh. just like liquor. It just, I loved laughter. <laughs> now I'm minding my own business and I had just discovered Edna St. Vincent Millay and I determined I would write poetry. I too could be a poetess. So I'm sitting in history class, should have been studying the ancient Phoenicians, instead I'm writing this poem, and this sneaky teacher came down the aisle from the behind and goes, pulls this out. Attention, everyone. Uh -huh. It seems our friend here is not interested in the ancient Phoenicians, but she is in poetry. So with that, she proceeded to read what I had been writing mm -hmm. so poorly, put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I hadn't really corrected it. Mm -hmm. And she wound up keeping me after school. My friends went roller skating off home without me, mm -hmm. and I'm stuck there on Vermont Avenue. And finally, when she let me out, corrected everybody's papers and gave me a stern lecture. I put my skates on and went skating home. 
When I got to Wilshire, I hung a right, as I always had, and I passed KFAC. On, I, I was so familiar with that building because it had two radio stations in it, KFAC, which had a viewing room. Sounds like Forest Lawn, you know, with a big glass window and a sofa inside. And if you took the elevator upstairs and were quiet, you could sit there and maybe even in the afternoon watch a radio people perform. Mm -hmm. and, but on the ground floor, they sold Auburn cords. That was what we used to go to look at. The Auburn cord automobile had chrome superchargers on the outside, and it was absolutely magnificent. Uh -huh. So I stopped to see what new car they'd put in the window, and then I saw the KFAC, and I thought, Boy, if I had a job, I wouldn't have to go to that crummy school anymore. I had visions of a private tutor, you know, you did uh -huh. this. And so I put my skates back in the potted palm in the lobby, rode the elevator upstairs, got off the fifth floor, and marched myself up to the desk. And I was, yes. about, I was about 13, I think. Uh -huh. And I said, I, where would I go to apply for a job? They said, as what? I said, I'm an actress. They must have been a card-carrying idiot because they sent me in to see a young man who was couldn't have been over 25. He looked younger than anybody in the movie. And he asked me, he had a tablet and what experience I had. And every Saturday, my mother would take my sister and me on the streetcar downtown uh -huh. to Los Angeles to see the Henry Duffy Players. It was a repertory company. And We'd always save our programs and come home and discuss the plays that we'd seen. Sometimes we'd recognize an actor, and that was very exciting. I mentioned every show I think I had ever seen, whether it had a kid in it or not. I had been in that play, and I believed it. I believed it. I even I, One of the things was dinner at 8. There was no kid in dinner at 8. And then when I went home that day, he was very nice. He took my phone number and my address, and I was—I had vented. I felt so good. Uh -huh. I didn't tell my mother what I had done, or uh -huh. my sister, or my grandmother. I just doody doody do. I had a nice day, <laughs> and I went back to writing a poem. Uh -huh. About a month later, I came home from school, and my mother was awaiting me with her arms folded. Have you girls tapped on the glass at KFAC? I said, no, why? Well, they want you down there right away. What have you done? I said, I don't know. And I put my skates back on. I still had a pencil over my ear because I had long hair and I always kept a pencil handy. And when I got up to the fifth floor, they had two lines of kids, girls around my age and another line of boys. So. They gave each of us three sheets of paper. Well, I had seen through the window that occasionally an actor would come by and I could discern dark lines. Well, it, you didn't have to be a brain surgeon to figure those must be the words they had to say. <laughs> so I had my pencil. I didn't have anything to write on, so I borrowed the back of the girl standing in front of me. <laughs> and I made the black lines. Then I was racking my brain and I remembered how careful they were standing in front of the microphone. The microphones were quite large back then. But the thing that impressed me most was the sound man. To watch him rumple paper to make a sound and, and 
Klaus adore and he had coconut shells that he did horses hoofs with. Mm -hmm. And so I remembered that about the paper and how exaggeratedly they would turn their pages. They'd lean way away from it to turn a page when that time came. So when it was my turn to go in and read my three pages, <laughs> I was very cautious about where I stood and uh, did everything but adjust the microphone by hand. <laughs> and then when I turned my page, I exaggeratedly turned. Well, honey, that made me a pro, and I got the damn job. And it was a radio series called Nancy and Dick in the spirit of 76, and it was sponsored by the Broadway department store and the Daughters of the American Revolution. The boy who played Dick grew up to be a very fine director, Richard Quine. He, he was an old pro at radio shows, and this was my first radio show to do. But I knew where the microphone was and what to stand, and I listened to everybody, and I, fine. From that job, I did other jobs, but I was still going to that crummy school. Live television was absolutely fascinating because you never knew oh. the door. You could open a door and the knob would come off in your hand, and if you didn't have a pocket, you did the whole scene waving the doorknob. <laughs> it was exciting. Uh -huh. You could be in a scene and suddenly you're in a restaurant and it snows on you indoors. <laughs> that has happened. One television show that I was in, they had a snow scene <laughs> coming up and somebody jiggled the thing that had the little things, and here I am in a restaurant, <laughs> and it's snowing. It's snowing. <laughs> uh, but it was not dull. It was not dull. What are we gonna do tomorrow, Gene? Rehearse some more with new men? I don't know, Sinjin. I think Glenn Miller's the only band leader who had great acting parts in the two films that he made. Yes. Uh huh. He was such a nice man, and he, <laughs> nothing was impossible for him. I mean, he did some heavy scenes in this, and he was really very good. He was thoughtful, and we were all fascinated, just so pleased. Glenn Miller was an excellent actor because he never acted. He reacted. Uh -huh. He listened to other people's dialogue, and you saw a change in his face and a realization. It was quite remarkable because he had never acted before. Mm -hmm. But he was a musician. Singers always are good actors. It's just natural. It's like reading a line of dialogue, or, or lyrics. Mm -hmm. It's their phrasing that makes them a really good singer as well as the quality of their voice. You know, comedians become good actors. Oh, uh, absolutely. Don't they? Yes. Oh, of course oh, they, do. they do. Yes. Uh-huh. I guess it's just playing together. Either you have it or you don't. We used to have it. I, I don't know how they did it. Orchestra wives who actually traveled with the band because you're forced to associate with people that you might not like. You, they might, you might not hit it off. They might have a whole different way of thinking. But I can see how it could absolutely decimate a band. 
because if the wives put their foot down, husband's got to pack and follow. <laughs> Let's call the whole thing off. That's the end of the band. He's so good. <laughs> ah. Now that's Trudy uh, Marshall. Uh-huh. There's a... Mrs. Roy Rogers. Rogers. Mrs. Roy Rogers. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she's being catty in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> Women are all a bunch of cats. Isn't that pitiful? Yeah. Gee, I bet you've had fun. It must have been wonderful dancing to Gene Morrison's orchestra every night, traveling places and all that. Yes, it was. Was? You're going back, aren't you? Why, yes, of course. Where's the band now, Connie? Denver, I think. You think? Don't you know? Don't you write to your husband or telephone him? It saddens me to see women being catty to each other. <laughs> I don't, I, uh, out, right out in person. Yeah, right. You know, right to each other <laughs> and causing trouble. Yeah. And I guess it exists, but I've been blessed in my lifetime. I, I've met very few of them. Your husband's really great in this record, isn't he? Radio was a wonderful life. It was wonderful. It was the theater of the mind because mm -hmm. you just listened to it and you could envision what yeah. somebody looked like. Mm -hmm. And Don Amici, oh, the, both the Amici's I worked with on radio before. And then it was a wonderful. Once you were in pictures, if you'd had experience in radio, and you wanted to go to New York to see shows, all you had to do was tell your agent to get you some Saturday morning shows in New York, any Playhouse 90, mm -hmm. when television came in. That was good for a three-week trip to New York. Now what you gonna do? I don't know, but I've gotta do something. Don't you worry about it, Connie. We'll figure it out. Only it'll have to wait till after I deliver Mrs. Margerson's baby. <laughs> you know, these little fellows are in such a hurry to get into this world and have all these troubles, they just won't wait for anything. No, no, no. I'll think of something. I was 15, 15 and a half, I guess, and there was a call for me at the radio station. Mm -hmm. So I took the call, and it was a, I could tell it was an elderly man, and he said he had seen my picture in the paper. That day I had had a picture in the paper about a radio show that I was doing, and that was how he knew where to find me. He thought I resembled somebody who, whose name was Ann Darling, and she had that day distinguished herself by eloping with Artie Stebbins, who was a big insurance executive, and he landed himself a trophy wife, and she ain't ever gonna work again. See? <laughs> so this gentleman called me and he said a f dear friend of his was doing a movie next week called Waterfront Lady and I looked so much like the leading lady that had just gotten away <laughs> and had broken her contract and 
but of course I'd heard about dirty old men uh, <laughs> who, who offer you a job. <laughs> and I said, I'm very sorry. They're beckoning to me. I have to hang up now. And I hung up on him. Mm -hmm. But I was polite. Uh -huh. And by the time I got home from my radio show, he was sitting in our living room. He figured that had to be her real name. It's too long for it to be an actress, Anne Rutherford. <laughs> he looked in the phone book, and there were, there were a few Rutherfords in the general area of KFAC. And he, he called, spoke to my mother, and he showed up that same evening. He was in our living room. And my mother was a very good judge of character, and he was a lovely man. He became my agent, my manager. <laughs> he picked us up the next morning at 8.30 and took us out to what is now Republic Studios. It was then called Mascot. Uh -huh. And I not only fit her wardrobe, <laughs> and Darling's <laughs> wardrobe, but... Uh, and I, it was summertime, so there was no problem, uh, except Mr. Lancaster said, you have to tell them you're 18. You gotta do that, because they, this is not a rich company. They couldn't afford to keep a welfare worker on the set to see that you only work four hours a day. I did Waterfront Lady. Then I did a serial, a 12-episode <laughs> serial. Then I did, <laughs> I did nine westerns. I must have, I did, uh, it was something like 14 pictures before the, they'd already picked up my option. The six month thing had passed and, and uh -huh. I was making, I had jumped from $150 a week to $300 a week. Mm Honey, -hmm. I, I was loaded. I mean, $300 <laughs> a week is a m much money. And my, but my mother took one good look at me and she took me to court and said, that I had lied about my age <laughs> and broke the contract. And I went home and slept for three months. <laughs> and I wound up at MGM. Uh -huh. And that's how it all happened. I lied my way into the business. Somewhere along the line, I claimed that I had been acting since I was five. That was not true. I <laughs> learned on the job made it up as I went along. And I kept fibbing because they would say, can you ride? Of course I can. Mercy, I've ridden for years. All I'm thinking of is, oh God, I hope it's a Western saddle with a pommel. I knew I could hold on to the pommel if the horse did better than walk. <laughs> no matter what they asked me, could I do? I assured them I could. Then I would rush out the way I learned how to drive in the morning. <laughs> I learned how to ice skate that way. Uh -huh. I learned how to fence because I read a second ice skating script. I had to fence on ice and I had to kill somebody. Well, there was a man on Highland Avenue who taught fencing. He gave me a few two-hour lessons, and the following uh -huh. week I showed up, put on my skates, got on, and jabbed away at people. <laughs> but it's a good experience. I mean, you just, it wasn't a harmful fib. <laughs> it's just I knew how to do anything they asked me to do. Uh -huh. And it worked out just fine, and I had a lovely life. Oh, beautiful. Well, but I don't. What do you care? Did the trick, didn't it? Ain't it worth it? 
I'll let you know the first of the month. Boys, we got a chance to open Glen Island Casino on Thursday. So just for old time's sake, how about a rehearsal at 2 o'clock? Well, how do you like this old ham staggering in here and crying when all the time he knew he had an opening set for Thursday night? We received this star on Hollywood Boulevard in 1994. It's uh, uh, between La Brea and Sycamore, this, that star. The same side of the street at the Chinese Theater. It was such a thrill to have this star there, Nicholas Brothers. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you have one too, don't you, Ann? I have two. Uh-huh. One from radio and one from pictures. Uh-huh. And uh, I think I got mine in 1962 or something. Hey, there's only one thing, though. They're both on Hollywood Boulevard. One is just in the middle of the block west of Vine Street on the north side on Hollywood Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And the other one is, I think it's on the same block as the Roosevelt Hotel. It's across the street from <laughs> that, very close to the corner. It was uh -huh. either there, maybe it's in my wallet. I don't know. <laughs> I may have a card that says where it is. Yes, I do. A, a fan laminated one of these for me. <laughs> One yes. is at 6831 Hollywood Boulevard. That's the one in over by Orange. And the other is 6300 Hollywood Boulevard, just west of Vine Street. Uh huh. So they gave me a little pocket guide. <laughs> I thought that was so cute, and they laminated it for me. Right. <laughs> I was very pleased to be able to stand in for David Selznick when he got his. It was just this last year. Can you believe it that he was head of the Producers Guild at the time? Uh -huh. and, but he was having some problems with them. Uh -huh. And somehow nobody ever got around to giving David O. Selznick a star. Oh. And when it was brought to the attention of the Producers Guild, they were so ashamed they anteed up the money themselves. <laughs> <laughs> now it costs $15,000. To have a star? To have a star, oh yeah. yeah. 15000 You bet. Wow. You bet. We all anteed up for Herb Jeffries to have a star because he was the first African-American cowboy. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh -huh. uh, when he made a series of uh, pictures with that. And uh, it takes time. You gotta nick everybody for a few hundred dollars and <laughs> go through the, <laughs> the list. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think mine were, one was paid for by MGM and the other was paid for by NBC because I, <laughs> I played Blondie on the radio for two years with a blonde wig when, yes. uh, when Penny Singleton wanted to retire. Uh -huh. Arthur Lake still wanted to go ahead with Blondie. So I sent in a tape. <laughs> they didn't know who I was. And they said I sounded like Penny Singleton. And I was just horrified when they said, well, now, you've got to bleach your hair. And I said, no, I don't bleach my hair. Well, then you're going to have to equip yourself a wig. I said, this is radio. Are you crazy? They said, we have a live audience. Audience. And when he yells, Blondie, if you come in, 
as a brunette, it ruins it with the audience. <laughs> so I had to invest and go to Max Factors and get a, you know, one of those hair lace wigs yeah. they made. Oh, <laughs> But radio was like stealing money. It was wonderful. You rehearsed half a day one day, and you went back the next day and did two shows. One for California and one to New York. Had dinner at the Brown Derby and <laughs> went back home. And then when I finished the, doing Blondie in my earlier earliest retirement, then I did a two-year show with Eddie Bracken because he had just done Miracle of... Morgan's Creek with Betty uh -huh. Hutton. Uh-huh. You told me I was a terrible orchestra wife and walked out on me. Oh, but gorgeous, I didn't know how much I'd miss you then. That's changed everything. I enjoyed making the picture. I, oh. I loved working with George. I loved working with mm -hmm. Caesar. Uh-huh. And uh, the girls were darling. They were fun. Uh-huh. We didn't really buddy up because we were all busy. Right, when you... Because you had a lot of dialogue to learn. You had to remember to hit your marks mm -hmm. <laughs> or you'd be out of the camera's eye. Yeah. So you had to keep your wits about yourself. It's only in pictures like Gone with the Wind where you sit with egg on your face, you know, for days at a time, waiting for them to come around and do that other shot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was a working company, a working crew, and there was something going on all the time. on the Fox lot that the Necklace Brothers were doing a really dynamite number. You couldn't have put a sardine on that soundstage. <laughs> uh, people ditched work. They did everything they could to tippy-toe <laughs> over there just to watch these people, these two <laughs> kids, running up the wall. <laughs> and you never split your pants. No. They what? landed in a split. It, uh huh. That's right. We never did. <laughs> and we didn't hurt ourselves either. Because <laughs> we did it the correct way. <laughs> Nobody got hurt. No. Never did. <laughs> absolutely amazing. Even without having a belt on and ropes. <laughs> Thank you. 
totally forgotten what Tex Beneke looked like. There he is. The best lyrics. Yeah, Matt Gordon. He wrote the lyrics. And Harry Warren, the music. Ah, great composers. And showing a number in its entirety instead of just giving you a little quick clip. It brings back beautiful memories of what went on during the making of the film. Uh. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, she was something, wasn't she? Marion Hutt. <laughs> oh, there we are. Here they come. <laughs> Here we are. Ah. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I got a gal in Kalamazoo. Yes. Her looks when I carried her boats in Kalamazoo, zoo, 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 zoo. I'm gonna send a wire hopping on a flyer, leaving today. Am I dreaming? I can hear screaming. Hiya, Mr. Jackson. Everything's okay. A L A M A Z O O. What a gal, a real pipperoo. She's a fine. Chick. I'm gonna make my bid for the Ferkel Face Kid. I'm hurrying to going to Michigan to see. Yes. <laughs> now it's coming up. They used to call us the one take Nicholas Brothers. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, smooth. <laughs> Class. <laughs> oh. But there was never any effort displayed. Yeah. And we were having fun. Yes, that's... <laughs> the two of you were so coordinated yes, together. It, yeah. Oh, look at that. I like this. Easy. Look, easy. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. See, we're going to the split without putting our hands on the floor. <laughs> oh. Oh. How do they spring back to their feet? <laughs> oh. I nearly lost my mind because I'm sitting there in the audience. <laughs> With my father. Yeah. Uh-huh. Look at this. Oh. oh, wow. Oh, how did you do that? 
<laughs> Very carefully. Uh, uh, <laughs> tw uh, triple twirl. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, look out. Bounce off the wall. Oh. Now, watch my brother Harold. Running up the wall, up, That's into split. <laughs> yeah. Then this, there's that trampoline where we jump up. Uh-huh. You turn, oh, what? Up, wow, bounce, hey. Ha! Ah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Just gorgeous. Thank you. Just magnificent. Now watch how we go off. Oh, boy. <laughs> so ah. they, <laughs> how about that? It's a pleasure to be here with Anne and bringing back these wonderful memories. You said like 62 years ago or more? 63. And 63 years ago. And it's so wonderful to be here with Anne watching this movie and bringing back these wonderful memories, listening to this great band, Glenn Miller Orchestra, and sitting here with this beautiful lady. And oh, we'll, you sweet thing, you. And we are reminiscing. Honey, oh. <laughs> that's what it's all about. If you do something that you're proud of, mm. and when you can see it's, it has stood the test of time, uh -huh. it has earned its legs, yeah. uh, the music is absolutely glorious. Yeah. And the dancing is <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Thank and you, darling. I'm, I'm so happy to have a copy of this to to show to my children and my grandchildren, my uh -huh. grandsons, yeah. because I think they will just lose their minds. They'll be so happy with it.